0: Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of Tech Nuggets and Thoughts. Uh, Today we are going to talk about Code Retreat. Uh, The reason is because we are just returning from the event and uh, our base city, Pune, was uh, the world capital of Code Retreat on this GDCR day, that is Global Day of Code Retreat. And uh, in Pune, we had uh, 12 Code Retreat events across the city and our very own Christian and Siddhish were the guiding forces for 10 of those events. And uh, that's a very, very amazing feat of achievement. And uh, today
1: we are going to talk about what Code Retreat is. So just to add something, uh, we also had two events in Germany and one event in Nepal.
2: Right. So you missed that. And um, on the entire planet, the community organized 100 54 events on that one single day. So you can have a code retreat anytime you like. But um, as the software craft community, we kind of agree that on a single day in the year, we are going to organize as many code retreats as possible. And um, that happens on the global day of code retreat. That was 16th of November, 2019. 154 events, there must have been like 1,500 to 2,000 developers meeting worldwide
3: to, yeah, whatever they do on the code retreat. It it all sounds very interesting, but could you guys help me understand what is code retreat?
2: So, a code retreat, uh, if you take the word, it has two components. Code, which means it is about coding and improving our skills in coding. And the word retreat is a word that you would actually normally feel in the world of spirituality or religion, where people use retreats to take time out of their normal life and meet for meditation, yoga or whatever. So you use a retreat to improve a certain spiritual aspect of yourself. And um, now the word retreat in this context obviously means something else. Uh, it's not about spirituality, uh, especially if you know a little bit of my, my, my background, then you know it's definitely not. But um, yeah, it's taking a time out. And the, the time out aspect is in our daily life as developers, we try to get code done. And for most of us, getting code done is the top priority of the day for many of us? Getting code well is not the top priority of the day. Whether it should be is another discussion for another podcast. But um, the point of a code retreat is on that day we are not trying to get code done. We are trying to get code well. So we're trying to write the best code we possibly can with the knowledge of the day and push that to the limits. Uh, So it's like uh, in the spiritual sense, it's
0: a retreat for the code itself. So that betterment of the code. Yes, betterment of the
3: code and betterment of how we approach code. Right. Hmm. So this is an event where uh, programmers would participate and experience the coding. So This is not something that they'll just listen to what being preached. No. Um,
2: So, how much teaching is involved depends on your facilitator and the style of facilitator. There is no prescribed style. Um, But um, the key is exercise practice. Repetitive. Yes, the repetitive um, deliberate practice. For example, if you look at a musician, if you want to play an instrument, if you want to learn an instrument, like piano, guitar or whatever, you are going to repeat the same pieces over and over again. And if we earn our living with programming, we should behave like professionals. Mm-hmm. But What is the difference between an amateur and a professional? An amateur practices until they get it right. a Professional practices until they can no longer get it wrong. Interesting. And on on code retreat we take a programming exercise and whatever angle of attack we take we try to improve that and improve our skills in how we approach the problem. So that for this particular programming exercise, we finally reach to a point where we have professionalism, where we no longer can get it wrong. Now, of course, in getting it right, there are still a lot of variations possible. That's something which evolves over time, but um, we may go into that a little bit deeper later so um Sirish, maybe you want to tell us a bit about the structure of a code tree how is that it's a full day event how is such an event is run
1: yeah so basically uh, the entire day consists of multiple sessions uh, usually four to seven sessions every session is of 45 minutes and what happens is uh at the start of the event the facilitator or the uh, the facilitator will explain them the problem. Usually the problem is the game of life, right, but people are free to choose whatever problem they want. So the facilitator will explain them the problem, that's the uh, whatever problem they have to work on on that day. And it will also tell them some simple rules. So the rules are like they have to uh, work on the solution uh, with a pair. So a pair programming is must. They need to follow up test driven development. And then there would be some additional constraint which would be uh, put later during the next constraints uh, sorry during the next sessions and the first session is basically started type box for 45 minutes so during the first session the pair set and try to find a solution now the focus as Krishna said is not to complete the solution but to write the best possible code so basically even if you write one line of the code In that 45 minutes, but that line of code is the best code of your life. That's what is important. So this is where it differs a bit from Hackathon, or rather, differs a lot from Hackathon. Because here the result is not important. Here the way you write it is Mm -hmm. important. So it's fine. Not not everyone. In fact, 99% people do not come up with a solution even at the last session. It's it's completely fine. But they do realize a lot of things about programming, about the language, about the skills, about the technology by the end of the day. So, so this is not a competition. Exactly. It's not, not a competition. It's just, just a learning yeah, event. Yeah. So the first session in Box for 45 minutes, people are asked to pair. So they pair. And usually we work with people, we pair with people with whom we don't usually interact. That is the beauty of it. Because if you are working with someone, you already know their weakness, their strengths. But when you are working with someone's... Who's you don't know him, it's he it or she is a complete stranger. In that case, uh, you get to learn a lot because you have to work on two levels. First is you need to understand the person, and second is you need to work on the solution. So, you have to deal on both of the levels. So, uh, after 45 minutes, the facilitator uh, asks people to stop writing the code, and here comes the most funny part they have to delete the code. Yeah. That's
0: very interesting. People yeah. do not like to delete it. That, <laughs> they, they literally beg you please yeah. to let them keep the code.
1: Yes.
3: And I'm there is a the reason behind it.
1: Christian, I will explain it. Yeah.
2: The, the import, uh, it's, it's very important during a code retreat to actually delete your code. It is a very conscious decision because the value that we generate during the code retreat is not the code written. The value that we generate is how we improve our mind about how we write code. And we consciously delete the code to say the code is not what it was about. It is our mind, the improvement of our thinking about code that we wanted to improve. And uh, another aspect about that is... So, as Sinesh explained in the next session, you may pair with somebody else. We want to make sure that every session can start fresh without the <coughs> baggage of the previous session. Because um, when we look at the problem statement, which um, typically would be Conway's Game of Life, there are different ways how you can approach the problem statement. And typically, the first approaches are not the best approaches but if you cling to your existing solution it can be very difficult to improve. We want to make sure that people also lose the fear of deleting
3: code. Mm -hmm. Christian but I I seriously think that you misled the audience uh, while we started this podcast. You said it, it has nothing to do with spirituality. (laughs) <laughs> but the more I am listening to it, it's, it's everything related to spirituality. Yeah. So you are disengaging yourself from your code. And that's the whole point of spirituality. You are not loving your own baby. So you are letting go that code so that you can improve. Yeah. Another reference to the same thing I was going to give was also a bit spiritual. The, the Chinese
0: saying of empty your cup. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like that. So you have to delete your code. So that you can start afresh, you can learn from the new partner that you with.
3: Yeah. So now we have fair understanding what of uh, what code retreat is and there's something called a GDCR where uh, code retreat is sim- simultaneously <laughs> happening in multiple cities across the world at various locations. And now that you have conducted it, facilitated it yourself, uh, can you tell me something about your experiences, good, bad? What we expected, what didn't go as per expectation? So, for me,
2: um, this year, I, I just stopped counting how many code retreats I have uh, helped organizing, how many code retreats I have facilitated. I stopped counting.
3: But I can tell you. Oh, that's, everyone, a, that, that, that's a good way of saying that you have done so many of it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I can tell you,
2: learning never ends. Right. So, for, for training the facilitators, yeah, because uh, for, for running a code retreat, you need a facilitator. And if you have a larger audience, you need more than one facilitator. One facilitator should have, at max, like 12 people. But the fewer people per facilitator, the better people can learn. Because the facilitator will help the people, guide the people, review the code give hints here and there, ask smart questions. And uh, so we we train facilitators as part of the preparation of the Global Day of Code Retreat. Um, I don't know how many facilitator training sessions we had this year, like four or five facilitator training sessions. Um, Some of them where we went to a company like MDOTS, which were really a big event, Um, sometimes where a company offered us that we can run a facilitator training in their premises and then they sent their own facilitators. But um, it was an open event, so people from all other companies could also join. Um, Tavisca helped us a lot with that. Other companies like um, Equal Experts and um, Technogryce and Red Panda were also quite open in helping us with um, providing facilities. Um, So I've done a lot of activities and for the training, I prepare a solution which the facilitators can look at if they like. They don't have to. It's up to the facilitator. So, their own decision whether they look at it or not. But every year, my solution looks different, even if I use the same language. How I write the solution. For Conway's game of life, how I wrote it this year differed from last year and that differed from the year before. So although I have like 35 years of experience in coding now, I started in 1984. I am still learning. Hmm. Everybody is still learning. Um, the whole industry is still learning. We are quite a young industry. Why do we have so many programming languages? Why Our new programming language is born all the time. That's also an artifact of our industry continuously learning and improving. So it never gets boring. That's one of the great things. It never gets boring. You always learn a new thing. And even if you think you found the best solution, it could always happen. You have a participant in your co-retreat and you get a new insight, a new approach. Or something
0: like that. There's usually never a single solution to any problem, in, at least in our space. Yes. There's always multiple solutions, it's all about choosing the right one in the right
3: context. So, yeah. Again, sounding very spiritual.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and again, it is not about the solution, it is about the approach you take to come to yeah. that solution. So, we want people to explore that. It's fine if they don't. And that's I said, that, not, not, I have not seen a lot of people ending up with a solution. Fine. but they end up with a lot of realization so usually uh, it's always fun to see the end retrospective where people just you know and, and they are exhausted but they enjoy the session they enjoy the day they talk about what they have learned so it's always fun to listen to the retrospective at the end yeah. of the day yeah.
0: one of the one of the findings in that retrospective that in, that, in the session uh, that i attended uh, Few folks strongly believe that writing code means writing code, and at the end of the session, it was very uh, eye opening for them to find that they are supposed to write tests before code, and test is uh, like like uh, the first code that you have to write even before writing actual functional code. And it was uh, it was a it was a funny moment to hear to hear them speak about it.
2: Yeah. That actually brings us to the one of the reasons why we run code retreats. Um, in most environments that I observe, that I deal with um, with my clients, I see a very strong focus around training on technologies. And I think that a lot of us in our industry. That is, developers, that is, managers, that is, HRs are blind towards principles and practices. And the code retreat is an excellent event to move the focus a little bit from technology, where technology is just a tool or a vehicle, to principles and practices. The facilitator in a code retreat will give you, as, your, as the audience, challenges, um, constraints, activities that you have to perform. Pair programming is always there on code retreat, which is really awesome, because as Cid explained, you, you get so much to learn from different people throughout the day. But then there's a few more. Test driven development is there. And um, then we can give other constraints, like no variable assignments to drive the people towards more functional programming, no if statements, no switch statements. To drive the people more towards object-oriented programming, um, and, um, like, low you know, loops that drive the people more towards a mix between object-oriented and functional programming more towards map-reduce thinking. So there's, there's so many things we can teach people with choosing the right constraints. And then the job of the facilitator is to see what is the level of skill and experience of the people in their group, and then for the next session, choose the right set of constraints. I can even be something like a no mouse. Mm -hmm. If you see people Mm. not knowing any keyboard shortcuts at all, and you see they're wasting their time pushing that mouse around... Then you can give them a no mouse and no touchpad constraint. They're gonna hate you for twenty minutes, <laughs> but but after that they're gonna be much faster because they've memorized a few keyboard shortcuts. It will save them time for the rest of their programming lives. Yeah,
0: uh, the I- IntelliJ idea users had a way to skip through that. Just go hit Control Alt A then Control Shift A and you have uh, one text box to search for every setting idea. <laughs> Yeah, you do not I mean, need to know <laughs> any
2: other shock. IntelliJ idea is just um, it is amazing. I'm using it since
3: 2013, <laughs> 14. In 2014, yeah. I should go to them and ask for sponsorship. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like it's like that. Once you use
0: idea, it's very hard to go back to your previous idea. There's no way.
2: Also, I think Visual Studio Code is yes. becoming a serious contender, um, others like Eclipse and NetBeans definitely are not.
3: That's very rare uh, coming from Christian uh, that he is praising Microsoft. Oh, Microsoft
2: has good products, Age of Empires for example. <laughs> or the Microsoft um, stop ergonomic keyboard. I, yeah, they, they just should stay out of the operating system market. <laughs> <laughs> I like the
3: AOE 2 better. Yeah, I, actually it's AOE 2 that I'm talking about as well. <laughs> yeah. so okay, so, uh, can Mikhail, Christian, Siddharth, tell me about one interesting moment of your code retreat? One interesting moment where uh, you have never imagined or visualized that something like this would happen? Somebody would surprise you? Well, what I can
2: tell is um, in the code the retreat we ran at Ganglox there was a lunch break and the facilitators tried to get the people from the machines to the food but it was difficult People started, like, continued coding, there, they wow. were inseparable with their machines. <laughs> That's how how deeply engaged yeah. people were and how motivated they were.
1: And I, I, I just saw it one of the instances in the uh, The facilitators were doing the coding for the first time, but they were doing it so well. So when there was this uh, retrospective happening, the discussion was so good and so intense that it, I guess it lasted more than 20 minutes to 30 minutes for people didn't even realize it neither did I and, and, and that's the beauty of it you are not restricted to something like you have to see whatever makes it productive whatever is giving out knowledge if retrospective is giving out knowledge continue with the retrospective if uh, you know now the only thing is we try to time the session for some time so that people need to you know start the new constraint as as super- possible. But we can always keep the retrospective, we can extend it. So the retrospective was so good, and I really did not feel that those people were doing it for the first time. That was really surprising. Yeah, actually,
2: um, I think this is a good moment to thank all the facilitators all around the globe for their efforts running these code retreats because uh, they prepare. They attend training sessions to get trained as facilitators. They prepare material. They prepare knowing the problem statement. They prepare um, questions for the retrospective. They are there before the event starts. They are still there after the event is over. And many of them even then gather after the event online or with their peers to discuss what went well, what can be improved, and how they're going to do it differently next time. So, thanks a lot to all the facilitators all around the globe.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. And probably it just happens because of the excitement. Uh, the facilitators themselves are so excited about it that <laughs> probably just like, we can't stop
2: talking about it, taking <laughs> you. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, why, why is it that we organize 30 co retreats, 10 in Pune, two in Germany, one in Nepal? Because we are very excited about the topic. And by, by the way, it's a free event. Yeah, we didn't mention it before, I think, but it's a free event. You don't pay any attendance fee. And um, also when um, we at Kinder perform facilitator training, we do that free of charge as oh. long as you're a facilitator for a code retreat that is public and where mm-hmm. there is no charge, we train you free of
3: charge. Oh. That's a good service to the community. Uh, Nikhil, you're yeah. uh, interesting. Yeah. so I have too.
0: Uh, <laughs> it was very interesting to find that infinity is really,
2: really hard to imagine. So... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: I... I, I <laughs> explained that.
2: <laughs> Yeah, you know what Woody Allen says about this. Infinity is a very long time, especially towards its end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. So yeah, yeah. So as it happens that the
0: problem statement talks about like uh, there's a infinite 2D space. Yeah. The concept of uh, how do you imagine infinite? How do you represent infinity in in programming? And everyone starts with the 2dR and that's that's probably fine as the first iteration or the first starting point but it's interesting to like uh, to people to see people think and evolve towards a truly infinite uh, infinite implementation of, of that concept and even more interesting the uh, to uh, when when everyone discusses this and later on they realize that what we defined as infinite is still limited by the system's resources <laughs> And various other things. So, the concept of infinity turns out to be very difficult for us to imagine.
2: But um, I can tell you that it's possible. So, the... Um, it's going to be... Uh, you can again say it's going to be a bit spiritual now. Um, for me, it's not spiritual, it's <laughs> scientific. The If you think of it, the size of the universe What is the smallest length that we are currently able to process with our current science is a plug length. Plug length is approximately 10 to the power of minus 35 meters. That's the smallest thing in the universe, at least according to current scientific understanding. What is the largest thing of the universe? The largest thing in the universe is our observable universe. That's approximately 10 to the power of 23 meters. The first mind-blowing thing is that on this logarithmic scale, the size of a human is closer to the size of the universe than the smallest thing. But if, if you add the numbers up, if you have something that can express 10 to the power of 60, So a 10 with 60 zeros, which in a computer obviously easily you can do, Mm -hmm. you have something that by all practical means is infinite in the sense that the space that can be coordinated with that is bigger than the universe. Okay. So it is possible. And... uh, I have a solution in Java that does exactly that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. But he's only talking about Java. He's not saying other languages do not have the solution. Oh, it is um,
2: uh, It is possible <laughs> in every language. Um, so well, what you basically need is you have to, um, in the solution to partway's game of life, or this type of problem, You have to abandon the idea of managing space, instead you manage matter in your data structures. And when you switch from space to matter, then um, it becomes very easy to deal with an infinite space.
3: Again, uh, very parallel to spirituality, you forget what's outside, you control inside. Manar is decidedly line drawing lines between this and <laughs> <spirituality>. <laughs> do, 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 Those are very obvious. I'm, I'm not taking any extra effort to do that. Uh, but a question to all of you: Why an organization should invest in conducting code retreats at their location? Oh, I think there's a lot of reasons.
2: Um, the first reason is: um, it's kind of a free training day. You get um, people meet to improve their skills. Okay. And um, in this training day, you get people in your organization to work with each other across departments and also across the limits of your organization. Because it's a public event, so people from the outside will join. Um, What I typically see is that it's about half-half, 50-50. So like 15 people from the organization, 15 people from outside. And uh, that's an excellent learning mix. It's also a way how as an organization you can present yourself as being interested in the craft. Mm -hmm. I think organizations that show that they're interested in the craft of making software, in the art of making software, are more successful in finding the right people. Because finding the right people is a challenge for organizations. It's like branding for developers. Yeah, Marketing for developers. Yes. As a developer, what would you prefer? An organization that doesn't care about software or an organization that does care about software? And if the organization cares about software, how well does it care about software? So you can show that you not only see yourself as an organization that produces software, but as an organization that is part of the community and therefore
1: gives back to the community. And then there are other things like If you are probably planning to have some recruitment, this is one of the best places where you can uh, best way I would say where you can find good people because you judge people or you need to get to know people on various aspects. How that person is pairing with others, how he interacts with his juniors, how he interacts with his seniors, how technically good he is, and how well he is communicating. So the basic thing, like how he respects other person's opinion over his and how uh, he treats his pair. It's, sometimes it could happen that a person is just like having around 15 years of experience will just grab the keyboard from the junior and I'll, I'll do it and I'll, you, know, uh, you just see. So you get, get to see that things. So this is something very uh, good for um, and And, and exactly. also
3: probably how they respond to the hurdles. Exactly. Uh, in a so form like of constraint flexible they are with this pattern
1: of code it where we say, okay, we need the code related. why should I delete the code, right, I am near to my solution, so how open they First of all, when a person actually attends this kind of events, that already makes him much better candidate than people who are not even looking up for uh, community events. So, so
3: that's
0: One interesting point, now that we have come to the topic of constraints, so what are the most interesting kind of that we have? Enjoyed.
1: Yeah, one of the most interesting constraints was, which I never told them before was, uh, apparently I had a group which was completely into Java. So there was nothing major that I could uh, tell them to do on technical or language specific level. I couldn't make them pair on like different languages on Python. Everyone was doing in Java. So what I did was, one of the constraints was just uh, follow the previous content that they were doing and add...
3: uh, just when the session was done uh, for the half the time, I asked them to
1: stop. And then I asked them to switch the workstations. So, apparently, they had to, uh, you know, work on other person's code. And the reason why I did tell them was because I wanted them to know their daily working habits or their daily code writing habits. So, they got to know a lot of, uh, you know, and then, then were many they were very surprised. Uh, they were very, like... Skeptical when I asked them to switch their workplaces, they were like, ah, oh, you could have told us, I, 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 exactly I didn't want to, I didn't want you to write code there,
3: I mean, I want you wanted them to code
1: in their natural environment, that was one of the best, uh, so the code stays there, the code stays there, people, people change, yeah. and then they have to take up from, so it it, it was so important for a person to write a code that was, they could understand in such a short time, and yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting constraints. Actually, we will fill another
2: separate podcast talking about all the different constraints and activities that facilitators can give to the people. Um, I still find a, quite a basic constraint interesting, the constraint um, of no variable reassignment hmm. because our industry is still not up to the mark regarding functional programming skills. And another constraint which I find very interesting is the no-naked primitives. It shows how limited our new languages like Java are compared to old languages like Pascal or Ada, even in, when it comes to the expressiveness and the limitations of types. Yeah. The purpose of types are structural constraints to Exclude certain classes of errors or mistakes from our software. And types in our current languages, even if it's a language like Java, are actually quite weak compared to the theoretical potential that types could have.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I liked uh, no talking constraint. I mean, it's it's very interesting that the only way you can communicate with your pair is through code. And uh, you can't talk to them. And second is probably no mouse. It's no mouse or no trackpad also, <laughs> we should say that, but yeah, that's also very interesting. They literally have
3: to monitor people. Because some of these people will go there, have to go to the mouse, yeah. and then the people try to, you know,
0: see if you're not coming and then. <laughs> <laughs> when, when we say no talking, they also like write to the paper, or write inside in a command <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> inside the code. Yeah. There are so many interesting constraints. <laughs>
0: um, I guess we are also coming up on the time. Uh, but so, uh, in order to conclude, can we can we, uh, discuss it? When would be the ideal time to have a code retreat and when is next GDCR?
2: Next GDCR is not scheduled yet. Uh, it's probably like every year the date is going to be decided sometime in spring around March, April, May um, is when the people decide but it typically is towards the end of the year mm-hmm. it typically is shortly before or after Diwali with enough distance to not cause problems mm-hmm. to the Indian audience so, so so Do we have to wait till the next GDCR for
1: the poetry can be as you just organize it at any point of time what you need is just a few heads and a place that's it yeah that's and i guess if the attendees are pretty sure well motivated, they can they don't even need a facilitator they can just discuss exactly
2: actually you don't need a facilitator to run a code retreat you can of course get a facilitator and if you want to be trained as a facilitator just contact us <laughs> We regularly run Code Retreat facility, the Trainings, and as I said, this is one of the trainings we run for free. So, mm. and if, if you want any other help, like um, convincing your management about Code Retreats, teaching your HRs and your marketing about what a Code Retreat is and how to organize such events um, or anything, about our code retreats just feel free to contact any one of us we can Mm -hmm. help you with that yeah
0: we'll include the links in the store the show notes I usually charge a cup of (laughs) tea okay (laughs) it's in the charges (laughs) (laughs) if if you
3: you want to pay me give me a red call (laughs) (laughs) alright so with that let's okay I have a concluding thought I want uh, your approval on my understanding after listening to all you people uh, for me, uh, the way I have interpreted it is, code retreat is a function which takes software developer as input and gives software craftsman as an output.
0: Wow, you turned it into a state machine. <laughs> <laughs> I like
3: that. Yeah, that's
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it performs an in
3: increment of your craft. Okay. okay, so with that we will close uh, this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode. This is Mandar signing off. This is Nikhil signing off. This is Christian signing off.
0: This is Sidesh signing off.